what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.tv. I'm Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group, and with me, as always, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I am doing fabulous, Alan. How are you? Doing equally as fabulous. Equally as fabulous. Uh, Glad to say here. So glad to have you. Beautiful day outside. We're in October weather, which is really my favorite time of the year. So could not be happier. Football on the weekends, great weather outside, jacket weather starting to get a little bit. You know, it's just it's just a good time. So I'm um, looking forward to the weekend here. But before we jump into the weekend, we've got some some business to take care of, and that's talking about customer service and how we can help organizations improve their customer service culture. And that's a little bit what we're going to talk about today. It's kind of running through the Ed's patented customer service checklist and the things that organizations ought to be monitoring and checking up on. But before we get to that, I do want to take just a moment and thank our special sponsor here at the Mesh, uh, organization that we've been working with for the last month or so, and they've been really great in helping promote the Mesh, and we want to return the favor. The Greater Hickory Kia Classic going on in Conover, North Carolina. That's here in western North Carolina, really just a short drive away from downtown Hickory where the Mesh studios are located taking place October 13th through the 19th, 2014. So probably by the time you're hearing this episode, the tournament is either getting ready to start or would have started already. But what you can do is if you're interested in still attending and you want to try to find out about availability of tickets, you can go to greaterhickorykiaclassic.com to find out information on the tournament, schedule, and get your tickets as well. It's a really beautiful area, Rock Barn Golf and Spa in Conover, North Carolina, here in western North Carolina. Beautiful time of the year as well, as I already mentioned. Uh, October 13th through the 19th of 2014. Come check us out, and if you travel uh, from a good ways away and to, just to go to the golf tournament, drop us a line here at the Mesh and let us know, and we'd be happy to have you drop by the studio and uh, say hi, and maybe even check out one of the podcasts being recorded as well. Again, greaterhickorykiaclassic.com is where you want to go for information and tickets. So Ed, jumping right into our topic for this episode uh, of Stepping Up Service, uh, I understand you have something that you refer to as a service culture checklist. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right, Alan. And essentially, even though our company comes into organizations, we will do a formal assessment of their culture, figure out how they can make sure they're getting everybody on the same page, going in the same direction. Uh, Oftentimes, it's beneficial for those organizations just to take five, 10 minutes either with a couple of key leaders or with a leadership team and do a quick self-assessment, looking at the eight major components of a service culture. So what we're going to do today just via the podcast is to walk through these eight components of of how do you actually create a healthy internal organization, a healthy culture? Uh, What are are those assessment points for any organization? Okay, that sounds great. So we can go through each of those points and kind of help everybody understand these are the kind of things you really want to be kind of gauging and measuring yourself on to know that you have formed this really ideal service culture in your organization. That's exactly right, Alan. But the way we're going to do it is going to be uh, hopefully a little bit interesting, a little bit entertaining. Okay. Uh, instead of just going through a list, what I'm going to do is set you up with a fictional company, Alan, uh, and then we're going to evaluate that company's culture. 
I'll tell you, Ed, I have become the serial entrepreneur here on Stepping Up Service because I think this may be like the fifth or sixth company that you've had me create. <laughs> yeah, so yes. I'm just, I'm just starting these things up left and right. I tell you, this is fun. <laughs> You'll soon be hosting Shark Tank. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes, I'm like Mark Cuban like or Mark something. Cuban. I'm just, yeah, exactly. I'm just starting things up here. There you go. Yeah. Well, the company is a company that uh, has been formed from a merger that took okay. place six months ago. Okay. Uh, but it's not your standard company. It is a manufacturing company. It's actually a Halloween costume manufacturing company. Oh, nice. nice. Yes. With Tying Halloween. it into the season and everything. Very nicely done, Ed. That's exactly. Yeah. yeah. Since we're recording this three weeks prior to Halloween, hopefully the ideas will come flowing fresh from your mind yes. as we go through our time together. And the fact that I've got two boys at home that are already deep into strategy about their Halloween costume for this year, uh, that seems to be the the uh, topic du jour going on in the house uh, right now. So, yeah. Well, excellent. So we'll talk about slightly different strategies when we talk about culture change today. But uh, the name of your company is Allen's Halloween House of Horrors Manufacturing. Ooh, wow. Yes. I got to figure out. I got to figure out a shorter name for that in the future. Well, but that's okay. We'll do that in our strategic plan. So. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, here, here's a nickname <laughs> for you for the rest of our podcast. It's Allen's Triple H Manufacturing. Allen's Triple H. Yes, Triple for Halloween H- House H- of Horrors. Okay. Yeah, All right. I'm ready to go. All right. Now, one thing uh, prior to getting into a discussion of the culture, uh, just to let you know, is you have taken the step after merging this company of creating a vision statement. Okay. Uh, and this is the vision for Allen's Triple H Manufacturing. You want to become the regional leader in high-end, customized Halloween costume design and manufacturing. Okay. All right. So the regional leader in high-end customized Halloween costume design and manufacturing. So basically, I'm the kind of company that if somebody says, you know what, I don't want the little plastic mask with a rubber band behind it of Batman. I want the full sculpted, molded, the real deal, high-end stuff. Yes. That's me. I get to make those, right? You get to design them, make oh, them, uh, no matter what the size, shape uh, of your your customer is, you are the ultimate designer and manufacturer. Ed, you setting me up with businesses like this, it really it starts to make me a little jealous now. Now I'm actually thinking to myself, you know, I actually may want to do this. I may want to make <laughs> Halloween costumes. How cool would that be? Uh, All right. Be very good. Yeah. All right. Well, the first component uh, when you're evaluating the culture of your organization, culture meaning how you do business and how you operate internally and how you communicate and develop relationships internally, is to look at your mission and your vision, and your values. And you want to make sure that you have these these, uh, components, your foundation statements, uh, that they already exist, that your your employees uh, know them very well. So if you were to think about a company that was a merger of two large manufacturing firms, after about six months, uh, how strong do you think the, the knowledge of the mission, vision, values are in the company right now? Do you think everybody knows what those mean and they can relate to them personally at this point. You would hope so, but I would guess no. I would guess yeah. that you've still got a, lo- a long way to go to get everybody on the same page. We've seen, you know, with some of our client situations where hospitals merge or other organizations uh, acquire one another, it takes a long time to really get everybody on the same page with who we are, what we stand for, what our overall vision is for the organization. 
That's a great point. And if you are talking about a long term to get everybody on the same page in situations like that, um, maybe developing a strategic plan. You brought that up earlier. That strategic plan could be something you want to accomplish over four, six, eight, ten years. So the second component is what we call a rallying point. Mm-hmm. Uh, oftentimes, if you're wanting to change the culture, take two different organizations and bridge them into a, a very healthy, unique uh oneness of of culture, it it helps to have a vision that's a little bit near term, not four, six, eight, 10 years out, maybe a year out. So Mm -hmm. if you wanted to merge these two organizations uh, and you wanted to start down the path, at least start down the path where you become the regional leader of this high end customized design and manufacturing, what might be a goal, a rallying point that you want to achieve maybe a year, a year and a half from now? It could be... uh to achieve some sort of either a high sales level. It could be to land a certain type of uh, agreement with with a partner company. It could be uh, a certain high level of client satisfaction or customer satisfaction that you set. Yeah. You know, those are the kind of things I could see, like getting everybody understanding this is what we're going to do and how we're going to, how we're going to do it. Yeah. So everybody can kind of focus on that one point, like you say. Yeah. And the great thing about what you suggested is that some of those example rallying points are internal, where you want to hit a certain sales target, want to hit a certain metric internally. But some of them could be external. You know, you'll listen to the voice of the customer and those people that were customers of one half of your company are more satisfied a year from now than they are today. And and the customers that were customers of the other side of the company, they as well are more satisfied a year ago than they are today. So despite the merger, your customers are actually more satisfied after the merger than they were going into the merger. So that how great a more of a reasonable goal is that to take to pay to, to hospital or not hospital, but you know, customer satisfaction points and say, our goal is to make them even happier now that we've merged together. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a great example. So the second thing you want to do, especially if you're trying to change the culture, is say, what is a near term goal that if we hit this goal, we know we're well on the way to to achieving whatever that long term vision is. So what Um, you're saying is kind of on our checklist here. I mean, having everybody in the organization understand mission, vision and values is important. But in some organizations that have gone through some change or uh, mergers or anything else, that may be a little bit of a longer term goal to get everybody on the same page. But you're saying a rallying point is really something more, a little more tangible, a little bit more not too far off in the future, something that people can get around right now. Definitely. And and when people are thinking about, all right, you're asking me to change how I do things or you're reorganizing the organization or you're taking away certain benefits or certain reward programs or you're modifying them because I was in company A and now we're doing things similar to company B in some cases. Uh, it, it helps to tell them why you're doing this mm-hmm. so that they understand the benefit of doing this. And if you're saying we're doing this because by 2023, we want to achieve some vision, that's not going to mean much to a lot of people. But if you say we're doing this because a year from now or 18 months from now, we want to achieve this organizational goal, then, like you said, it seems more tangible, more real. They can really see the fruits of their labor more quickly. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Great. So both mission, vision, values, but then having that more shorter-term rallying point is also pretty important for a service-based culture. Definitely. And the third item on the checklist talks about leadership, especially in a situation like this where it's a merger, but really in any kind of organization. If you want to create a very healthy organization internally, you want your staff behaving in a certain way in terms of how they interact with each other, how they interact with customers. You need to have leadership that is modeling what they expect of others. So the third evaluation point you'd have at Allen's Triple H Manufacturing 
is to look at leadership and say, is leadership exhibiting the kind of values we expect of staff? Are, are they uh, understanding our purpose or mission, just like we expect our staff to be understanding that as well? And what, what would you think six months into a company that's gone through a merger, what would you think the status of that leadership group is at this point? Boy, it, it, it'd be tough to say, and I know it, but because I've seen both sides of the coin. I've seen where a merger, you know, did a pretty good job of blending the leadership team and getting around the same page, but that's a tough thing to do. A lot of mm-hmm. times you see leadership teams are still a little bit in the uh, mindset of kind of thinking about the old company and the way it worked, uh, maybe having a hard time rallying around what the new organization is trying to do. But, you know, I, I think it, it's a challenge, but I've seen both successful and not so successful versions of those leadership teams. Yep. So the the idea is that we have to realize that the easiest way for any kind of culture change or culture initiative to succeed or fail is based on whether that leadership team is doing what they expect of others. They're saying the right things or acting on what they say. They're just natural behaviors are the kind of behaviors they expect out of their staff as well. And I would imagine, Ed, that that's got to be of the points we've talked about so far. And I think of some of the ones I see coming up. That one really from a self-reflective standpoint, if you're somebody really trying to do kind of a self-assessment of your organization, that one's, that one's, you know, you're kind of having to really take a good hard look at yourself in a leadership role and the other leaders around you and really say, are we truly modeling this or not? That's something where you're having to kind of really take out the microscope and be, uh, be pretty honest with yourself about that. Yeah, especially if you're a leader and, and when you're interacting with the customer, you're, you're very responsive, you're very kind, you're very courteous, you're very timely, trying to do things right the first time. But when you think about modeling, think about how you're interacting with your peers. You know, if you, if you want to foster teamwork among your staff, are you fostering teamwork among your leadership peers or are you more siloed protecting your own turf? And when you start looking at it more introspectively, like you're suggesting, you start to realize there's probably a lot of work to be get done at the leadership level before you can expect great success at the staff level. Yeah, absolutely. I can definitely see that as well. Okay, yeah. great. All right, we have the fourth point, which is real tough at Allen's Triple H Manufacturing because we're talking about aligning organizational structures. Mm -hmm. So you had two different organizations with two different business offices, two different manufacturing plants, two different warehouses, two different sales and marketing functions, two different customer service organizations. And you want to make sure that you're structured to be successful, especially if your rallying point is the one you're suggesting where you want your customers, regardless of which company that they were with prior to the merger, to be uh, as satisfied or more a year and a half from now than they, they were prior to the merger. Yeah. So that's a key evaluation point. Are we actually structured for success? And that even you just rattling off all the components that are involved in that, I mean, trying to if two organizations are merging, or even if it's not a merger, it's just a matter of are we structured our alignment to deliver the kind of service that we're gearing ourselves to? Yes. You're right. That is a that's a huge obstacle. I've got myself a headache just hearing just thinking through, <laughs> just thinking through all the steps that would be involved with that. Um, yeah. It is really tough. You can have the best ideas in the world of where you should be, and you could be communicating those ideas really well. But if you don't have that structure in place to actually do it, then you're just setting yourself up for failure. 
Yes, we have a lot of customers right now, a lot of clients of ours that really focus on the word responsiveness. They, they really want to be responsive to emails, voicemails, customer needs, customer issues. But when you look at how decisions are made, a lot of our clients, especially mid to large size clients, especially those more in the public sector than the private sector, education, government, healthcare, there are so many hierarchies, so many layers that you have to go through to get approval that it doesn't foster responsiveness. So their their organizational structure doesn't really lend itself uh, to, to responsive service. Yeah. Uh, we've also dealt with some clients who really care about customer service but they have nobody dedicated over customer experience management or uh, over customer retention. It's two or three or four percent of a lot of people's jobs, but they don't have a structure in place where there's a dedicated role focused solely on that. Mm, interesting. That does make it a real challenge there. So, yeah. so aligning structures is kind of that number four point to make sure on your self-assessment checklist. Yeah. So we've gone through four of the first eight mm. Uh, at this point. And, and when we get into the next four, we're going to start digging a little bit deeper, go beyond some of the strategy, and then get more personal about individual employees, individual communications, individual processes as well. That sounds great. Well, let's take a quick little break since we're at the midway point. When we come back, we'll uh, follow up on the, the rest of this list, go through the next four on the uh, service culture checklist that you can perform on your own organization to make sure that you are designing that ideal service culture that you're shooting for. I'm Alan Jackson with the Jackson Group. With me is Ed Gagnon, Customer Service Solutions. And you're listening to Stepping Up Service here on the Mesh.tv. We'll be right back in just a moment. Hi, I'm 2013 Greater Hickory Kia Classic Champion, Michael Allen. Please join us at Rock Barn Golf and Spa for the 12th Annual Greater Hickory Kia Classic, October 13th through 19th. Watch me defend my title against two-time Masters winner Bernhard Langer, two-time Hickory winner Jay Haas, Kenny Perry, Fred Funk, Champions Tour rookie Lee Jansen, and a fantastic field of Champions Tour players. Weekly grounds badges are just $50. Individual tickets are $20 per day. Get your tickets today at greaterhickorykiaclassic.com. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.tv. I'm Alan Jackson of The Jackson Group. With me is Ed Gagnon of Customer Service Solutions. And we're talking through designing or, or going through a service culture checklist for your organization. The kind of things that if you're looking to have that ideal service culture or maybe like the examples we're talking about here where two organizations have merged or there's been some other type of joining and you're trying to get everybody on the same page with having that same ideal uh, service culture that you're looking to design. These are the kind of items you can run through your checklist to make sure that you are getting where you want to be with this. So Ed, we, we talked about the first four. You went through mission, vision, and values, and making sure everybody's on board with those, having a, a more of a short-term rallying point for everybody to be focused on, making sure management's following, modeling the way of delivering good, the good service you want, and then making sure you've got the structures aligned in place to actually do the things you're telling people you can do. That's your first four. So where do we go from here? What's the next item on the checklist? Well, before we get into the next item, just to set it up a little bit, uh, I'm kind of curious, Alan, as the president and CEO of Alan's Halloween House of Horrors Manufacturing, Yes, uh, I'm sure you've seen many different orders come through your shop uh, in the last six months and prior to that. Um, what, what are some of the most popular costumes these days in, in the world of uh, Halloween costume design and manufacturing? Oh, well, you know, you've got your typical, your traditional, uh, I think, you know, of course, the big zombies, the whole Walking Dead thing. That's like uh, a big yes. seller. You know, you got the you got the old standards. You got the Dracula, the Wolfman that never really go out of style. I mean, and we 
we do a really good job with those costumes, Ed. I'm really proud of the efforts our team put in. Uh, the old traditional uh, Universal Studios uh, monsters that we that we do the costumes for. Um, good. And then, you know, we've still got the uh, the fake mask where everybody wants to pretend like there's some famous person that's alive today, whether you've got Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or some other popular figure. So, you know, we, we, we diversify quite a bit. I'm very happy with our assortment of costumes right now. Excellent. A veritable potpourri of Halloween delight. Absolutely. I'm very impressed, Al. Absolutely. Well, well, it's interesting some of the terms you use there because the, the next item on the checklist is aligning incentives. Uh, and the last thing you want is to have employees who are figurative zombies yeah. where, you know, they're not energetic. They're not passionate. They're not trying to go above and beyond, you know, designers. You want to be creative. Is there something you want to interject there, Al? No, no, no. I just okay. think it's funny. I, th- I think it's great. You wove in the zombies. We didn't even rehearse that or anything. That's awesome. Uh, uh, yeah. So, so basically one of the things you have to keep in mind is if you're long term, vision is to be the regional leader or even focusing on that short-term vision to have customers who are even more satisfied 18 months from now than they were prior to the merger. Uh, One of the things we really suggest is you put incentives and rewards and recognition programs in place that drive the kind of behaviors that are going to create that higher level of satisfaction. So what might be some examples of things that you would reward staff for things you would recognize staff for if your goal 18 months from now is higher customer satisfaction than you had six months ago. I think if, if you had a way of tracking whether or not an employee was able to satisfy a unique request mm-hmm. in a very timely, efficient manner and get it, get it to them in the, in the time frame they were looking for, that's something that I think we, we reward as a service culture. I think um, if you're able to effectively solve a, a defect issue, you know, let's mm-hmm. say, even though I know it would never happen. Yeah. Of course not. But yes. let's just say, hypothetically, that one of our costumes goes out and has an issue with it. And it needed to be returned back. To me, seeing an employee that goes over and above to make sure that that problem is resolved quickly without any hassle to the client as much as possible, to me, that is another service, culture, reward opportunity uh, to incentivize those things. Yeah, and that's those are great examples, Alan. Because if those are our goals in in that rallying point, then you probably would not have major goals for everybody that are purely about cost reduction or purely about things that really don't drive you toward that goal. Those are important, but we want to make sure we're incenting the behaviors that are truly going to get us to that rallying point, whatever that is for your organization. Right. And there yeah. again, if the rallying point is to be the the the, the top provider in this region, you know that's where we want to be. Uh, we all know that how we deliver service is, makes a big, big effort towards that. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's great. That's great, great to show those incentives for service-based uh, actions. Yeah. The, the, um, the sixth point on the checklist uh, is getting a little bit nitty-gritty. It's talking about processes and workflow and information flow. I mean, literally, if you want to have high customer satisfaction, you were just talking about the importance of speed in issue resolution. So you want to make sure that your internal communication processes uh, are very effective, how materials flow back and forth to manufacturing and to your service area and to warehousing, that those processes and those internal information shares are very quick and effective and high quality doing it right the first time. So if you know what that rallying point is, you know you want high customer satisfaction and you know what drives that high satisfaction from a process perspective, obviously quality, quick resolution to issues, do it right the first time, efficiency in internal communications, then that the sixth point on the culture checklist is, do we really have the kind of processes we need to create the kind of culture 
we desire. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we, we see that in so many companies where, again, you've got nice people on the phone, you've got nice people, you've got great products, but you can just tell when somehow that communication in the delivery process just breaks down, whether the yes. systems are not in place to get you what you need when you need it. Uh, maybe information is not being transferred between departments like it should be, and you're getting passed around a lot, and uh, which you know is already a little bit of a preview to our story at the end of the episode that I'm going to give. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's why it's so important to have all these things together, not just really good, nice staff, because really good, nice staff working on really inefficient systems are still going to really frustrate the client. So yeah, and that's a good segue into number seven, a really good, nice staff. Number seven is about enabling our employees to succeed. You're talking about pride earlier, and you want employees who are engaged, who are proud of where they work, proud of the work they do, proud of the greater good that they provide to the community through the work that they do. So the seventh point is, how do we make sure employees have the training the technology that we're hiring and holding them accountable uh, to, to do the kind of things that are going to move us toward that rallying point. How can we make sure that we're not only hiring and training and holding accountable, but on the front end, we're setting expectations. Mm-hmm. Say, so in order for us to increase satisfaction, this is your role. This is what I expect of you. So in that point number seven, you really want to look at the employees and say, how can we make the employees who are really the engine for most organization successes, especially uh, in an organization such as yours that is so focused on that custom delivery, that tailoring, the internal working relationships through this merger, how can we make sure that they're equipped to be as effective as possible? Right. So kind of in saying what I was saying before about the opposite rings true. You could have the most efficient system, communication process, technology to handle orders and to handle requests. But if you don't have the the staff that's bought into it and and are willing to do it, it's still going to be a frustrating process for your customers. So you got to have both. And that's that's so clear with this checklist. Yes. Getting that staff that can buy into everything and knows what their expectations are without any question. I know we've had some conversations on – previous episodes here of stepping up service about getting employees to buy into the the same culture and model that you're trying to promote and Mm -hmm. there's there's a lot to it so i encourage anybody to go back and listen to some of those old episodes and listen to some steps on how to get your staff in line with what you kind of culture you want to provide yeah that's actually a great segue you're doing great with the segues alan you're kind of leading me to the next step the whole time today that's wonderful it's almost like i have the checklist in front of me or something (laughs) (laughs) it's almost like almost like that yeah excellent point well the the buy-in is so important but it's so much driven by communications that are within the organization for employees to really understand their part in the bigger picture their part in the near term and achieving that rallying point their their part in the longer term helping to achieve that vision uh, we got to make sure that we're communicating on an ongoing basis we're very intentional about saying via our intranet via the company town halls via email meetings via small group meetings with department directors and managers that we are sending out certain messages continuously this is what we care about this is our purpose as an organization this is our vision these are these are successes that are happening today these are the upcoming plans uh, so that we are not only enabling employees through the provision of training through how we hire them but we're constantly communicating with them and it's more of a two-way communication too don't just view it as a one-way push but make sure that we're constantly soliciting feedback from employees so that we understand their level of engagement their level of morale and also oftentimes the employees are the best source 
of the voice of the customer outside of the customer themselves. We can always get a feel for our customer needs changing. Are, are their uh, expectations changing in terms of quality or, or communications or processes or timeliness? So the, the last component you really want to evaluate in your culture is how effectively, uh, how continuously, how strategically are, are we communicating with our internal stakeholders? Yeah. I think we can all attest to situations where an organization may do a really great job of either setting those mission and values and making sure everybody understands them, but the communication sometimes stops at that point. Then it just becomes about the day-to-day, let's just get the work done. And what we see is that so many times the, the, the employees have so much insight as to where the organization needs to be heading or what it needs to be doing to change but because they don't have that opportunity for dialogue or they're not approached with dialogue, the company is going on a path that the employees know is not the right path. Correct. But it's a hard time to get the leaders to understand that it's not the right path. And uh, you got to have that constant dialogue because we're just – the world is changing so quickly. We can't just assume that whatever we set up as a process today is going to be working for us five years from now. And those employees are going to be the ones that can tell you that it's not working and what would be the best option to make it work. So, Yeah, and you don't want to wait till the point that your customers are telling you that it's not working by them walking to your competitor. Yep. So anything you can do to tap into the voice of the customer through the employee is a great thing to do if you're wanting to continuously change and improve and move your culture forward. So, Ed, kind of recapping the, la- the, the final four on the checklist with that. We've got aligning incentives. We're talking about improving the service delivery and support processes, setting expectations and enable them for delivery with your staff, and effectively communicating to all your internal stakeholders like your staff and keeping that dialogue open. Right. And all these points we're talking about are either aligning to the ultimate vision of the organization or they're aligning to that near-term rallying point. So when when you're talking about, well, how are we structured? What are our leaders doing? How do we train staff? Uh, What are our processes like? How do we incent people? How do we communicate the, the starting point should always be uh, what are we trying to accomplish through that training, through those communications, through our leadership, through our processes? What are we trying to accomplish? And it should all lead you to either the rallying point or that long-term vision. Excellent. That makes perfect sense. I think that's a great way to look at it. So this is really that service culture checklist, these eight items that Ed's recommending you know, an organization that wants to kind of assess its own level of service culture or maybe is going through a challenge like mergers and Uh, some other restructuring of the company. This is the kind of checklist you go through to make sure, are we where we need to be in meeting our service culture goals? And Ed, I've actually seen that, you know, customer service solutions, you guys have this as a process you can provide to organizations as well and kind of walk them through the process and really help them understand what each item can mean and how to improve it as they go forward as well, correct? Yeah, that's exactly right. Because for a lot of organizations, when they look at this checklist and they wonder, well, why do we have internal conflict or why are we not functioning very efficiently or or why can't we get everybody on the same page? Uh, This checklist helps them to understand the why. And maybe they have incentives that don't align to to organizational goals. Maybe they're doing a great job of training employees, but they're not really looking for the kind of qualities they want when they're actually hiring folks and onboarding folks. Uh, Maybe they really do care about customer service, but their organizational structure doesn't convey that. Uh, The lack of dedicated resources doesn't convey that. So the simple checklist enables organizations to have a focus. If we have to do something, one or two or three areas, have to focus on certain areas to really get our culture healthier, get our performance 
higher, uh, then, then this helps them to determine what those are. And then if they need help in actually driving those changes, driving those improvements, that's where CSS comes into play as well. Perfect. That's great. Well, as Ed mentioned, CSS, that's Customer Service Solutions. That's the name of the business uh, he's with. And they are found online at CSSAmerica.com. So that's www.CSSAmerica.com. Learn all about customer service solutions, the company, the kind of work that Ed's doing as well with a wide variety of different clientele, uh, helping assess service cultures at an organization, help improve them, look at strategies, look at action items to really get that service delivery model at the high level that you want it. So they do a great job with that. And Ed, thank you so much for all your input today and and walking us through this checklist and helping us see how we can do a little quick self-assessment of our own organization with regards to service culture. Sure, I enjoyed it, Alan. Thanks. And again, my name is Alan Jackson with The Jackson Group. We can find more about us at thejacksongroup.com. We are a uh, survey services management consulting firm working a lot with employee engagement, patient satisfaction, customer satisfaction, uh, market perception studies, looking at gathering data and helping you make the most use of it. Uh, now, before we close out, though, Ed, we got one last thing to do. We got to give our stories of the month. Is that right? Yes. Yes. I can't forget that. That's always the fun part of the show. We get to say, share our customer service story that we've experienced recently. It's either going to be a positive or a negative one. I'll go ahead and tell you right off the bat, mine's a negative one. I'm actually going to get myself very angry as I talk about it. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know. I don't know if yours is positive or negative. It's um, very positive. It is positive. Can we end with yours then? That might put yes. me in a good mood after I go through my little rant here for a moment. So, yes. Okay. So let me tell my story. I have a lawnmower, and the said lawnmower decided one day it was going to stop working. I bought this lawnmower from a – I'll leave the name of the store out – but it is a very well long-standing department store organization. And uh, I've got a local uh, branch or chain here in our local town. And this typically where I buy my larger home appliances or my yard appliances. So I took the lawnmower in, dropped it off at this place, and uh, was told that, you know, yes, they'll take a look at it. And I just had to pay a small deposit to have them look at it, and then they'll call me and let me know what it's going to end up being and how long it's going to take. Simple enough. At this point, I already think I know the problem on the lawnmower. I think it's just a belt has really kind of gotten really jammed up and bad on one of the wheels so the thing doesn't self-propel. And my front yard is on a slope, so having to manually push that thing up and down there is not fun. Uh, So I pretty much know that's the problem, and I know it should be a relatively quick and easy fix. Well, I called back a couple days later because I hadn't heard anything about any estimate or anything like that. And they said, well, we haven't sent it off to our service center yet. Okay. I thought you guys were the service center because you've got a whole department there where people are fixing things. They said, oh, no, no, no. We have to send this off. We send it to Florida. Oh, my like, goodness. You're going to send my lawnmower all the way to Florida when I'm pretty sure it's just a broken belt. They're like, well, yeah, that's where we do all of our service now. Oh, my goodness. I said, fine. So how long will that take? Well, they have they pick up on Friday, and since you dropped this off on a Saturday, it's been sitting in our room for the last six days, uh, so we'll send it off on Friday. Okay, how long will that take? Well, it'll probably take a couple days to get there, and then they'll fix it, and then they'll send it back. I'm thinking, okay. So already I'm already frustrated because this, is just not, this was not told to me when I dropped it off. So I wait, and I wait. I still don't get a call. I call uh, about a week later to check in on it, and they're like, oh, now we're, we're getting ready to send it back. We have fixed it, uh, but the next pickup won't come until 
this coming Friday <laughs> because they have to ship it back from Florida. Wow. Like, okay, so that means I've got to wait a whole nother week before this thing comes in. They said, well, we'll let you know when it, when it arrives at the store. They'll call you. Okay, well, there again, a week goes by. I still have not heard anything. So I find the local number for the local store in Hickory for this, this department chain. And I call, and I call their main number because that's the only number I can find online for the main store. And they have the little menu that it walks through. It's like if you're looking for the sales department, go here. If you're looking for clothing, you go here. And I never heard service center. So I'm not quite sure where to go on the phone tree. So I try a different number. I try just a random department hoping they can pass me along. I get passed between three different people not knowing how to get me to the service department. So I finally just hung up because I'm frustrated. I call the main corporate number that I've been given for checking in on the service. And when I inquired about my lawnmower there, they said, well, um, we sent it back like a while back. It should have gotten there like over a week ago. I said, well, I haven't gotten any message back on that. They said, well, here, we'll, we'll uh, patch you in. We'll call, we'll, we'll patch you into the local store and you can talk to them. I said, okay, fine. So they patched me in to the local store, but it basically just dumps me right back on that same oh. menu that I was on before oh. where I could not figure out where to go. So I honestly went so many cycles with this, even to the point where one time when one of the people answered the phone, I finally got a representative on the phone to talk to me. As I'm describing the situation, I hear her talking to somebody else in the room where she is, like while I'm talking wow. to the point where I actually stop and say, I'm sorry, am I interrupting you? I mean, she's like, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was just talking to my supervisor. Okay, I understand, but I was talking to you <laughs> too. Yes. And I don't think it's possible to hear both of us at the same time and comprehend everything. It's just, it was a constant, constant, constant. Finally, I, I, got, I reached somebody at the local store who said, oh, yeah, it's been here since September 26th, which was like five, six days ago. Wow. I said, well, nobody called me to tell me it was there. They're like, honestly, I don't think we even knew it was here either. We just kind of saw it when we looked for it. <laughs> so at this point, my lawnmower has been gone almost three and a half weeks, almost close to four weeks because of a broken belt. That was really like a $50 fix. And not only was it, you know, just the process wasn't there to get this fixed, but the communications was sorely lacking on let me know what's going on. If I'm having to make phone call after phone call to find out where my lawnmower is, that I'm paying money to get fixed, uh, you know, something's just not working right. Right. So, I was blood was boiling. I was so mad when I got home. I was just ranting and raving because not only was a waste of time, but it was another week has gone by that my yard is not getting mowed. And, you know, it kind of piled up a little bit. It looks embarrassing. I'm having to go borrow a friend's lawnmower just to do it. It's just, it was a bad situation. So uh, this particular department store is pretty much on the decline popularity wise last several years anyway. And I think I understand why. Mm-hmm. And I think any chance of this department store to get on the upswing, they're going to have a really hard time doing that, mainly because I think of all the service issues. So, wow. Anyway. Unbelievable. Yeah, it was really a frustrating experience. It really was. So lift me back up. Give me a positive story. Make me feel good before we sign off here. Well, I'm, I'm going to talk about football. How does that sound? Absolutely. Let's, let's yeah. do it. It's fall. Yeah. It's perfect weather for it. Talk to me about football. All right. Well, I'm real fortunate. I'm a season ticket holder. Uh, my family is for the Carolina Panthers. Yes. And one thing I've noticed recently is when you go to a Panthers game, you're walking through the concourse and you see all the food vendors in their booths, uh, okay. the, the actual booths there where people are you know, serving the hot dogs, hamburgers, etc. One thing I've noticed 
is that most of the booths are manned by uh, fundraising organizations. So it's a particular dance school or it is a band for a local high school or something like that. And it's really interesting when you watch these folks because they are not paid. They are not hired employees to basically give you the hamburger or the fries to make your drink. Um, But when you walk up to them, uh, even though they're dealing with hundreds of people, some of which have had too much alcohol, you know, they're they're leaning into you. They're making eye contact. They're smiling. Uh, you can feel there's energy when they're talking to their, the, the folks that they're working with. They're communicating really well. The customer would like this. They're confirming order. Now, did you want chili or no chili? Did you want onions or no? Now, did you want the jalapenos? Or no, and they're always showing appreciation, and they're wow. basically it's this idea that they're not earning a dime. Mm-hmm. You know, for the most part, they're they're not well trained, um, but yet you're getting this great experience. And and I think you know it's interesting when you think why is it a good experience to be served by people who are not getting paid and it's not their job. Well, first of all, they're positive. You know, they realize that there is um, a greater purpose to what they're doing. It's not about the hamburger. It's about them raising money for their kids yes. or them. They're raising money for this dance troupe or the, this facility that that does a lot of great things for their family. They're they're very appreciative uh, of the opportunity to be there, of the opportunity to earn some tips, earn some money. They're really good at listening and confirming your order because they don't want to get it wrong. They're they're not experts at this, so they really want to make sure they're understanding what you need and they're getting it right. Uh, And they always make sure that they got it right before they close. So they not only make sure they get the order right before they they hand it off to a coworker, but when they give it to you, they they explain exactly what they did. Is this what you were looking for? Great. And they close it out. And, And I just... Uh, marvel at the fact that in, in this day and age, in this society, that some of the best service I get uh, on the weekends is from a bunch of volunteers who are just giving me hamburgers or chips or bags of peanuts or sodas, a bunch of volunteers at a football game. It, that's that's a great story. And you're right. I mean, every time I've ever been to a sporting event, even at the high school level, and you've got the volunteers working there, and they're raising money because of a cause or something they're trying to support. You're right. They're not there to get paid. They're there because they know the better job they do and the better people they serve, they're helping raise something for a, a different cause, and there's just a whole level of passion there. That How great would it be to find a way to tap in that same level of passion with standard employees at an organization delivering customer service, you know? Yes, absolutely. definitely. I agree. That's great. Yeah. Well, thank you for lifting me up a little bit. I, I'm trying, Alan. I was I'm a trying. little blood boiling there for a little <laughs> bit, and now I'm, I'm kind of cooled back down, so I'm, I'm good. Thinking about some football. Unfortunately, our team's not doing so hot this year. Uh, me with my Tar Heels, us with the Panthers. Eh, it's a little struggling a year. We'll, we'll get it back on track, I think, before yeah, too There's long. still time. There's still, there's still time. time. It's still the season's still long. So, um, But, Ed, thanks so much for your time today. Sure. Going through that service culture checklist and also talking about our stories. Again, Ed is with Customer Service Solutions. Find out more about him at cssamerica.com. And you've been listening to The Mesh, and you can find more programs on The Mesh. Uh, that's our series of online podcasts and audio and video programs that are free to download at any time. Uh, and, you, and you can go back in time and listen to past episodes of any of our shows as well. Stepping Up Service is just one of our many shows. We have several in the arena of business, education, music, film, a lot of different discussion topics, sports especially. We've got a lot of good sports shows. 
please go to themesh.tv and find out more about our series of shows and subscribe to any of them. Subscribe to this show if you want to make sure you get all future episodes. And uh, we'll uh, keep on churning out the content that people will be asking for. If you have any feedback for us on Stepping Up Service, you can certainly drop us a note at the Mesh website at themesh.tv and then find our contact form button on the front page. Reach out to us and let us know if you've got any questions or topics you'd like to hear us talk about in the future. So, Ed, enjoy your nice, beautiful October weekend here, okay? Thanks. You too, Alan. Enjoy mowing the lawn. Yes, finally. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. So, All right. For Stepping Up Service and here at The Mesh, I'm Alan Jackson and Ed Gagnon. Thanks a lot for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.